It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Back there. Oh, I, nice. I, I saw that. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, it's my Strat mic board. I was just making a note of my changes to my set here. A couple little small things. I always like to try to move things up. Move yeah, all, all you need is that Brian Trottier card that had three, four, four triple passing. Yep, I'd be all set. You know, so I have some good stuff back there. So, and I found my hammer and my bell right here. Right. I forgot how loud that was. And um, <laughs> we'll start the show. Hello, Hockey World. It's Tuesday, February 7th, 2017. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzz Cast on HockeyBuzz.com. That's my official sound. Um, this is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at this time. Um, and right now, we are obviously talking a little bit about the Bruins, who... <laughs> <laughs> kind of surprised the world today. There's so much to talk about today. There's so many different things. Uh, a lot's happening. Um, not a lot of some really bad things to talk about with different teams today. But um, Bruins. So the Bruins start off with you know, shocking everybody and picking the oddest time probably they could have, and uh, well, this is taking the most heat. Now they're now you know the the, the press conference. I was trying to get some of the quotes from the, from the obviously pissed off media yes. at the press conference. Um, Interesting. There were people who just complete the first three questions were, "Why now? Like, why would why there's a million and a half people a mile from here, right. out in the street celebrating? Why are we doing this now?" Um, the Bruins said, "You know, to, to, I mean, you can understand they this is the beginning of their bye week and it's a good time to do it. I get that, but um, they could have waited till after the parade. Like, like, I mean, they could have just held a they could have held a practice. No one's paying attention anyway." I mean, and you know, they could have really done a lot more than they did, um, but here they are. This is what they've done. So, uh, Claude Julian out. Cam Neely and Don Sweeney addressed the press group today, um, saying uh, over and over again that they they did not want to diminish from the accomplishments of the Patriots, um, but they were not ready with this vision of the Bruins to commit to Julian long term. Uh, oh. That was the, that was the first thing I said. Um, and then, then a big, then an interesting statement where Julian came out and said, "You know, um, I am, not, I'm, I'm not going to trade um, Pasternak for a defenseman." The, making, implying that that trade was there to be had, and and maybe something where it, it almost, you know, if you read between the lines, it sounds like well, there was a little bit of a discussion about that between Julian and these guys. I'll I'll tell you the two things that I took out of it. The first one was, it seemed like Don Sweeney wants Bruce Cassidy in there. Because Don Sweeney has a lot of ideas on how the team should be run, and and apparently Claude Julian didn't have the same ideas. So that that was one thing. The other thing, and this is a you know this is again just to me a classic mistake, the Cam Neely statement, where he basically says, "I believe we have a better team than our results show." Yeah. That's the thing about sports. You have earned the record that you have. <laughs> right. 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 Of course, of course, you think that you have a better. 
of course you think you have a better team than your record shows because you're the one who's assembled most of this team. You've systematically gotten rid of most of the players that Peter Chiarelli brought in. Now you've gotten rid of the coach that Peter Chiarelli brought in. Uh, you know the But the funny thing is, is that the core group of this team, the, the players that mean the most, Bergeron, Marchand, Rask, yeah. Chara, they're all Chiarelli players. So the only way that this is truly Don Sweeney and Cam Neely's team is to get rid of those guys, and they pro- maybe they probably will over the next three or four years. I'd be surprised if they keep going in the direction that they're going, that, that uh, Neely and Sweeney would still be around. But this was, I mean, this was, I think everybody thought that this was going to happen. It was a question of when, maybe the bye week, and I think they play like four games in 18 days. I mean, they're way ahead in terms of games played from other teams in the East. So this was the opportunity of, you know, you're not playing a ton of games, so it gets a chance for the new coach to come in and put his systems in or, put you know, put his spin on things. But, but, this, but this team is, I mean, right now, you look at the constitution of this team, Chara, Carlo, Krug, their def- defense there is okay. And then after that, you know, you've got a Randy, you got a Randy, I was going to say Randy McQuaid, uh, Adam McQuaid, who's basically just an enforcer playing defense. And then the rest of the defense right now is not that great. And there's the depth problems up front, and Rask is not playing well either. So this is performance based. Here's the best quote The best quote was actually from Mike Babcock. If you can get him, you get him. He changes your franchise overnight. Like, I'm tired of hearing that. Well, you have to do this because there's nothing else you can do. There are times when I agree that a team tunes out a coach. Yeah. You're never going to hear one quote from one player that said Claude Julian wasn't doing what I wanted him to do and he, sh- he was, you know, it was right to have him fired. You won't find, like, there's plenty of times when players get, when coaches get fired, where players back the firing. You're not even going to find one player that backs this firing. And that's going to be the challenge. For Cassidy, because even though he's been in the organization for a while, look, he coached the Washington Capitals. Unless he's gotten a lot better, I don't think you're seeing a big change. And I heard Sweeney say one thing, and this is almost like to punish the team. And I like Don Sweeney. I think he's a very smart guy. He was basically saying, well, I think Cassidy's going to run a much faster-paced practice. So in other words, we're going to make – you know, we're going to practice the hell out of you guys during this off time and – they think that that will make them a better team, and it might for you know eight or ten games, but it's not going to do that in the long run. It's not. Right. They're gonna they're gonna practice faster, but the problem is that they're not gonna play faster because they don't have a lot of fast players. Right. I mean, Chara, Chara, you used to be mobile. He's not mobile anymore. Bergeron has been weighted down by injuries and and overuse over the last few years. Krejci is not the same player. I mean, they have some. They have some quick guys. They have some speed. Pasternak they brought him back, which was a risk, right? I mean, we right. knew that that was a risk because he was an older, slower player. Yes, he's a big centerman, but you know, and that and that's a that was a that was a now move act. And the thing is, yeah, so that was a now move, and there there. Are, and they they did now moves at the trade deadline last year, right? And they try and they and they tried. They didn't make the playoffs. And yeah, that was a now. And and you know um, they didn't move Erickson last year, which was a now move too, because that was remember they could have moved Erickson and they kept him. They lost him for nothing, well, um, at, you know, or whatever or the cap space. But the interesting I, thing about the, what I think about these two guys is in Sweeney and, and Cam Neely is yeah they sure they've inherited a they inherited a pretty good situation. Um, with a pretty good team, a team that had been in the Stanley Cup Finals twice in three years, right? And then, you know, and 
they have this plan that they talk about. And I, I don't really, I don't, they've never laid it out though. Like the, the, I've, I've been, I was looking all the morning for what is the plan. They, they said that Claude's vision and the plan didn't seem to line up. Um, and then they, but then they went and they said, Carlo is a good example of the plan working. So I'm trying to think of what that means. Does that mean we want to play more young players? Um, is that what no, that is? I'm, I'll tell you what I think the plan is. The plan is when we have a young player that we think you, we could put in there, we're going to put them in there and then we'll take our lumps. If not, we're playing the guys we have because we charge a lot for tickets and we're going to try and make the playoffs. And we're going to tell you that we're rebuilding while we're trying to make the playoffs. And as people in Philadelphia see, that is a very tricky high wire act. Yeah. And, and, and if, if this was part of the plan, then Carlo would have been one of those three first round picks in 2015 and not picked in the second round. And you got to remember going back to that, they trade Lucic to get a first round pick and they were going to lump two or three first round picks to make a trade for a defenseman that they, that they never were able to, to right. make. Hannafin. Remember that was their goal. Right. To, to get, to get Hannafin. Exactly. You know, had, had, you know, traded Dougie Hamilton because he didn't want to be there anymore. They fell short on that. And then they made, you know, and we know that those three first round picks, one of them is doing pretty well. One of them, uh, Sinitian in St. Sault St. Marie, I, th I think is going to be an NHL player. We don't know. I mean, that was the Matt Bolesky signing. I wasn't in favor yeah. of it. How does that look? Yeah, yeah the, only, the only the only good thing about that signing was the fact that he signed him for less than four million dollars a year. <laughs> so, so they didn't overpay. Right. Okay. They didn't overpay for what turned out to be relatively mediocre play. I mean, um, yeah, you know, Cassidy, this is a tough spot for him to come into. Um, you know, he comes in as as the interim coach for sure. I think I don't think that but they you never come into a good spot when you're an interim coach. Name me an yeah. interim coach that took over a good situation. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, right. I mean, you're, you're I mean, maybe the best one, maybe the best one was Craig Berube. He may yeah. be the best example of one that took over a good situation, but otherwise it's rare. It Sullivan, really rare. Sullivan and Dan Bilesma. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there have been a couple lately, but well, he wasn't an interim Sullivan. Yeah. They made so, him head coach right away. Didn't they? Yeah. I don't, th I don't think Bilesma, I don't think, I think Bilesma was an interim before they made him the full time. I mean, Bilesma might have been, but Bilesma may have been an interim. That's true. Um, but that, that quickly changed because he won the Stanley Cup in his first year. Um, so, you know, I think that that was <laughs> – I mean, the bottom line is, you know, Cassidy is coming into this spot. And I, my whole thing has always been I hate when teams – if teams really want to do something different, don't hire your assistant coach. I mean, that just – it doesn't That's make true. any sense because your assistant coach is, is the good cop and the good cop-bad cop relationship, right? And he's the guy – and this was Barubi's problem for a while in the beginning. Yes. Um, he's the guy that the players like, that the players go to, and he's always, he's always, you know, the players bitch, bitch about the head coach too. This is the guy that they complain to and that they talk about the coach. Thing. And this is, you know, any all you have to do is, you know, watch Miracle. You know, go back and watch Miracle. Yeah. And you see, like the assistant coach and head coach, that that really sold it really well to the dynamic in the NHL. You know, the assistant coach going and head coach saying, "Well, the guys are a little bit of that, that." That's what happens. That is what happens all the time. And so that's a totally different kind of relationship. And to, to jump from that relationship into a head coach relationship, it's immediately, of course, you're going to have a more player-friendly coach. But that's not necessarily the best situation for the coach. It's not a really, it's not a good spot for him. His relationship with these players, the players feel like they they feel relieved because oh, we like that guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. We know him. So it's well, not like the players go in being afraid. Um, well, yeah, they, they, not to this. I mean, well, go ahead. The, the, the only thing that this does though i mean this keeps their options open because if cassidy flops if they continue to decompensate and they miss the playoffs again 
uh, and not not at the end of the season like they had the last two years, but you know miss it by a good good wide stretch, then they can get into that market for Gallant or Hitchcock or you know whoever is out there in the summer. Um, but but here's a note to the fan base, and this is something that I just it, talked about online with somebody. They think, hey, we're bringing in Cassidy. He works great with the young guys. He'll be great with McAvoy and Zaboral and everything. And I'm like, how do you know he'll be the coach? Yeah. No. He doesn't have a contract beyond this year How as a head coach. How You're do you know that's going to be the guy? They're paying um, Julian. You know, Julian another $2.5 million, $2 million this year. $3 million next year. Yep. Um, so you're going to have to go out there and find a coach that's better but, than Julian. Because <laughs> you're going to be paying him three million dollars. But, they won't, but they won't be on the hook. They won't be on the hook for that act if he signs with another team, and that's oh. what I think. This know, is where I want to find out something else because I'll tell you, there's a, that usually is the case, Mike, and that 99 percent of the time is the case. But when that wasn't the case, for some reason, was Chiarelli's contract in Edmonton. Chiarelli still gets paid by Boston and Edmonton, and I know, and that's I. True. I talked to somebody about this, and they said, yeah, that, that she really just made a really, you know, that's the deal he demanded when he was there, that he would still, even if they let him go. And I think a lot of this. So maybe it was a personal services contract with the owner? Maybe. Possibly. A lot of this craziness that's gone on, um, I think, has to do with that resentment that they're, that they're still paying Chiarelli. But, um, you know, that, but then, you know, did Chiarelli sign, he's, he signed Julianne's contract. So, right? I mean, as far as I remember, was Claude, was Claude Julianne? re-upped by these guys? Uh, I, 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 I'll check into it, but I think he signed the extension last year. Yeah, he signed uh, it last okay. year. So, right. That would have been, that would have been the same kind of contract, so it's probably fine. But that, that it was just – and then you're right, 99% of the time. But for some reason, Chiarelli's contract is different. I don't never knew why. But the thing, you know, but the thing about it is this. Yep. We don't even know if Julian will want another job for the next couple of months. He may not. He may feel like he needs to step away for a few months, get his head straight – and so the Bruins would be paying them anyhow. So let's forget about that. Like to me, that's like the insignificant. I mean, if they have money, they can pay them. It's yeah. fine. It's the insignificant part. But the significant part is you're now going to be looking. And look, I think the Bruins have drafted fairly well. But the problem is, is that too many of their really great players got old too quickly. And even the guys they drafted aren't going to be ready in time. So there's going to be a point where if you don't make the exact right moves in free agency or just signing free agents, you're going to have a lag and it's starting now. And, and it started last year. And it especially happens if you don't have a backup goalie, which is what, right. which, is, which is, is a huge thing for them. It's an enormous thing because their backup goalie they've got is like one in 19 or whatever it is. It's some, it's some yeah. crazy statistic. That's just absolutely but, absurd. When you think of the art of the playoffs, if they got any kind of backup goalie, this is a good team. But yeah. whose but whose fault is that? That's the general manager's fault. They brought back right. Anton Kudobin. They paid him. They signed him to a two-year deal. That's not Claude Julian's fault, unless Claude Julian went to Sweeney and said, "I like Kudobin. Sign him." I mean, right. the moves. Your other the guys, moves. Subban and is it McIntyre? The other guys that they have yes. um, are both, you know, just a little too young, right? So they're, right. they're or and Subban was hurt last year, so there's all kinds of yeah. stuff. And Subban so, hasn't played hasn't played well at Providence this year. So it, yeah, and, and coming back from his injury still, and that you know, I think Subban is prime target to be moved actually at the deadline. I, yeah, I, I, I could see that. But but here's the thing. I mean, again, they shouldn't be doing anything at the deadline but selling. 
Exactly. That's really, but but they're not going to act that way. They're going to now. They're especially not going to do that because I know, you know now they've really painted themselves into a corner where they can't. Now the now the microscope is on them. And yeah. so, so before they could have gotten through this and been like, okay, we've had injuries, we had gold backup goalie issues, whatever. We did the best we could. We missed, but now that they make this move, and I there, I give them some kind of credit because okay, I'm I'm all for teams putting themselves out like that. Like I I do. As a fan, you have to like that. You, as a fan, you sit back and say, "Okay, we're going for it." Which is why, like, I had a discussion on Twitter today with Les Bowen. I don't know if you saw it or not, but I'm back and forth with Les Bowen, and I said to him, "I said, Les, this is not a knock on Hackstall at all, but um, if Ed Snyder was still around, don't you think Claude Julien would be in Philadelphia by lunchtime?" You know, like this is this is the kind of this is the kind of move that Ed Snyder would have made. Not a, even if Hackstall was having a half decent year. He would have made this move because this is because Ed, you know, would never turn down a profile player, a profile guy like that if yeah. he was available. You know, and and Les agreed with me. He said, "Yeah, you're probably right." And and the thing about that way of thinking, from a fan's perspective, you know, and there's different there's different ways of looking at that from from an actual logistics perspective and a fan's perspective. From a fan's perspective, that's what you want. You want to, you want a team that's going for it all the time, a team that's always trying to improve, the team that sees a way to get better, and even if it's only slightly better, they get better. From um, You got the magic word there. Yeah, I know. I got to say the magic word again. There you have it. Um, so, yeah, to me, that's one That's one option, right? But, you know, Flyers fans should understand this, too. They all jumped on and said, hey, let's get Julian. I get the sentiment, but they're run by a corporation. Corporations don't eat management contracts in the pros. They don't do it. They run things a lot tighter than an Ed Schneider would run it. Yeah, I mean, Ed, had a lot of, Ed had a lot of freedom. Um, yes. And, and boy, you know, I miss him. <laughs> I mean, I just, I really do, just from the fact that, you know, I'm, beyond just being a person, he's the kind of guy that was so great to have in the league because it was always interesting. Yes. You know, he could do, he could do things. He could make them do things. This year, well, he also made them sign Bridge Gallop, so let's not forget oh, yeah, that. No, he did. And I'm not saying they're all right, but, but you know, even that moved every – Whenever Ed made a move, he was legitimately trying to get better immediately, and that's that's, well, that's a tough thing. To well, we, we we know you know we know between now and the end of the season uh, that there'll probably be more coaching casualties. But what I'm interested in is now is what what's next for Julian. And I you know I heard some on some of the afternoon shows. I go you know, well Vegas. He's the, he's the leading candidate for Vegas. If I'm Claude Julian, I'm not, I don't want to go to an he's expansion. Probably not going to Vegas. I'm telling you right now. To, if I'm a certain kind of coach to run an expansion situation, I think Hitchcock's. I think I agree. I completely agree. I think Hitchcock is a better setup. Perfect for him because here's a guy who wanted to retire, right? Because he's done. He's he can't get a team over the top. He's having so so much frustration by not being able to get a team over the top. When really his joy is teaching. Like he's yeah. a teacher, so he goes into Vegas without any pressure to win Stanley Cups, and he can yep. spend another five years there and do really and do great things and take that. Yeah. In great directions. I think that's. I think yeah. he, I don't know where you know the question will all come up. It would all come down to whether McPhee likes him or not, of course. But right. this is you know that's the perfect spot for them. But I I, I think for Julian I, I it, with with the openings or potential openings that are out there, I think the perfect fit is the Islanders because I do too. I think ultimately, if a team was going to act quickly, that would be the team that would act. Yeah, but they. Yeah, I know. I, but it doesn't like, matter. They got a quick bump from Doug Waite. I get it. But they should have lost last night's games. The Leafs, the Leafs helped them out. They, they're still not in the playoffs. They're just inching closer. 
They need to solidify their future and need to walk up to John Tavares and say, now you have a Stanley Cup winning coach. That would go a long way. Then it right. takes, what, like four or five million dollars a year to get him probably? It's going to no, be. No, I think you can get him for three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, so three and a half. Even then, I, I, if I'm the Islanders' ownership, with everything that's going on right now, that's – I mean, what, what are you going to do with John Tavares otherwise? They I don't disagree. It's make... a nerve-wracking move to go to go and commit to Julian right now for the Islanders just because well, – He's a younger guy. Wait, but he's 56 years old. He, he's not over the hill by any stretch. He was there for 10 years in Boston, did great things. I don't care if he didn't make the playoffs for the last two years. Mike Babcock might be missing the playoffs for two years in a row. They're not firing him in Toronto, right? And don't say it's a different situation because, you know what, I'm tired of hearing people say, well, they haven't made the playoffs. And, and, it, and I don't think – and to be honest, I don't think the Patriots have anything to do with this. The, the Bruins are in their own bubble, and they don't worry about the Patriots. They really don't. I don't think they I think they agree with that. I, although I just think that – you know, it did. It, it was a little bit of um, of a sleight of hand, though, a little bit, just because they just because you have a popular. Oh, I think they didn't want as many media people there. I agree with that, but I don't think they operate to worry about well, the you know the the Patriots won and we didn't, so we have to keep up with them. I don't think that matters. It didn't help much because apparently Sweeney got excoriated by whoever was there. But right. I, I don't I don't think the Islanders are going to make the move now. I think they'll wait until after the season's over with, but. They need to show Tavares that they mean business in terms Absolutely. of in terms of being forthright and looking forward to being a competitive team. And you can't do any better than have a Stanley Cup winning coach like Julian be the guy that you bring in. And if they, you know, hell, they could go different directions. That's fine. But I think it, it makes sense for him because he's going to have a superstar player. He's going to have players that he had with the Bruins, guys, guys like Boychuk. Yep. Yeah, and, you know that's a that's a scenario where a good coach comes in and a few moves are made. That team is a conference finalist. I mean, again, just think about this: Tavares doesn't know where he'll be playing in two years, as far as building wise. Even if he were to sign with the Islanders, he doesn't know who the coach is going to be in two years because this is a temporary coach. We unless he gets extended, he doesn't even know who will be his line mates in the next two years. And these are all decisions that affect his contract. Yeah. Yeah. This is the best the, – by the way, something that happened that someone pointed out to me. Now, I am not a big possession coursey person, uh -huh. but this is the first time, apparently, that the best possession team in the NHL has fired its coach, that the, that the Bruins were okay, – the Jim Corsi got fired recently. Can we acknowledge <laughs> that? <laughs> yes. And they have the – I think they're in the bottom five in goals against average, uh, which is surprising with Tuka Rask. But I, and I think it's more, more a – more a comment on their overall defensive play and the fact that Rask is playing way too many games. He uh, is you know, playing way and, too many games. And, and and he got and he got hurt last week. And surprisingly, they, you know, whatever they did to get him in the lineup and put against Toronto on Saturday, and he gave up four goals in, in half the game, and they had to pull him. So that wasn't that wasn't exactly a, a brilliant move by by the Bruins uh, coaching staff and management if they were had their hand in it. So, I mean, right now they're a team in des desperate straits, and I agree, Russ, they should be in sell mode. But I think this management group is in complete and utter denial. And if they're going to go and waste assets to go and trade for Shattenkirk, they're insane. Here's the thing, too, I and I've seen this online with their fans. They're starting to blame Rask. Well, he's not great in the playoffs. His statistics aren't great. He's made of glass. I've seen all these kinds of statements. Here's the thing. You knew at the beginning when you drafted Tuka Rask, 
he's a slight of frame guy. There wasn't much muscle you were going to be able to add to that frame, and yet they let this backup goaltending issue linger for yeah. the last two seasons while he increased his game load. This was not going to end well. I mean, it wasn't. And and this is not on Tuka Rask. He's a hell of a goalie. Most times he's a top five to top ten goalie in the league. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, there's so there's so much more we're going to get into over the next couple of days. We're going to have Ty Anderson jump in on at some point. He might be calling us during the show today. I just got to text him. We'll see if he jumps on. We'll get it. We'll get his word. He was down at the press conference. I know because I heard him ask a question <laughs> um, on the radio, and I was listening to it. Um, this is a uh, Lindy Ruff chimed in too. I don't know if you saw that. Um, he's a great coach, but even more, he's a great person. I know players love playing for him, and I, I, I can vouch for that too. Having covered this team in two Stanley Cups, you know, which Lindy's is, doing that because he's going to want the same kind of support from Claude soon. Right. 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 <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? And a lot of the of a lot of the of hockey Canada's guys sticking up with each other, right? You know, with yeah. Babcock and right. Ruff and. Babcock was very effusive in his praise of Hitchcock and of Julian because they were his assistants. I don't know if it was just in the Olympics or if it was in the World Cup, but he has relationships with both of them, and that's and that's what you do. I mean, I mean I, 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 ready for my prediction? Yeah, I predict it. Um, you can predict my prediction if you if you thought about it. But anyway, this is what happens: first round of the Stanley Cup Finals, first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Montreal takes gets Tampa. Tampa knocks them out. In four or five games, Claude Julien takes over as Montreal's coach. Uh, don't, don't, no, he's because not, he's not going back to that zoo. The GM is tied to the coach there, and right now the coach is, is having still enough success yes. that even though we but felt no, like – They lost in the first round of the playoffs, too, if they were first seed. No matter. I'm telling you, we'll not do it. That ownership <laughs> likes the GM. The GM is not firing that coach. That's pretty That's obvious. Right. That's why it's imperative for Berger. Berger. Right, mark this down. I'm gonna I'm gonna mark down the time and on this uh, podcast. In this podcast. That's why it's imperative for Bergevin to to make a deal before the deadline to get right. a guy like a Duchesne. Oh, yeah, no, it is, but I think. But but, but, but what, 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 let me let me finish. What I'm saying is, if he doesn't do that and they lose, I think Tarion and Bergevin are tied at the hip, and if one goes, they both go. Don't know. Haven't gotten. I don't. I, I don't have. A, I don't have a source in Montreal to tell you that I know that that for sure. A lot of people in, in Montreal have told me that that is the case too. I've heard that too. In Montreal, but I've, I've I've had people tell me that's not the case as well. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I honestly can't tell you one way or the other. I don't have a good enough source there. I, I mean, mean, look, I, I, the people I spoke to definitely have been there a while. They're not within the team, but I feel like ninety percent strong that that is the case. So I just got a just got a uh, text from Ty um, saying, uh, "Hey, really wish I could get on. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it before the end of the show. We'll get on tomorrow. Interviewing some players at the moment. Very emotional locker room." That's yeah, see, I told you this is. There's not one player there that's going to be like, Whew. "Yeah, right, right, right." I mean, this is this is going to create a bit of an upheaval. And like I said, I think one of the reasons they did did it now is because, I, and I believe it's, they don't play again until Thursday, but they play like four games in the next like 17 days, something, yes. something like that. And in that, in that, in that, you know, in that situation, they, it, it, they can get past it. They'll have time to sort of get past it and it won't affect their play on the ice. But I mean, this is just, I'm sorry to say, this is just not a very good team overall. They've, you know, they have, they have good pieces, but overall they're, they're missing something. Their defense is not good. 
have a lot of depth on this team right now. And, in the, and they have they have a couple really great, a great first line. Right. And then they have maybe, I would say, three third lines, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. That's that's how mm-hmm. it feels like, you know, like they have, they don't really have a, a solid second line. Well, that's where the back is failing. His signing has failed them so far. Because Bacchus is a third-line player at this point. He's a great third-line yes. player. He's a great team leader. And, boy, the Blues wish they had him but still. But, you know, that at the end of the day, what he does is he, what he brings is more than what he brings to the Bruins. He would have brought him to the Blues. They but, they're, but they're playing him as a second-line center or even at times as a first-line winger. First-line center, I know. We're seeing that, too. Um, crazy. Um, all right, so moving on from the Bruins um, for a second to another to another colonial city uh, down the road. Um, the Flyers, okay, who last night uh, scratched um, Shane Gossespierre for the third time in three games, a, a experiment that has not gone well for the team on the ice, at least. I mean, hope, I mean, and and some people are being very unfair about this, and I'm going to I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to take off my fan hat and put on my, you know, because as a fan, I'm, you know, you're pissed off about this, but with my fan hat off, I'm going to say, okay, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. We got to get Gossespierre where they want to get him to. They're going to get him, but. This is having a huge impact on the team in general because of the fact that Gossetier is more than just a good player on the ice. He's actually, like I said last year, a positive influence in the locker room who is now very pissed off. Um, and that is not that, – that, that sends – when that happens, when the most positive guy you have in your room is just really pissed off, you, know, you can't blame him for being pissed off, and they want him to be pissed off. That's the whole point of this is you want to get him mad. Um, it does have a does reverberate through, and it says someone texted me. I texted out to you guys the other night, but someone sent me, "Why have the Flyers decided to stop playing offense?" You know that was like what they said that that they had an incredible they first period. They kept the first half of the game. They kept the Blues to two shots on goal for the first half of the game last night. Mm-hmm. But they almost had no offense at the same time. They had shots, but I mean they and they hit the post, but they really were nothing. I mean they really didn't have any attack going and haven't had an attack without Gosses here in the lineup. Um, well, here, here's what I would say. I didn't cover yesterday's game, but I covered the Kings game. Yeah. And the same thing happened in yesterday's game. It just took a little longer. Yeah. The Kings have big defensemen. So do the Blues. And yeah. eventually the Flyers tired out of that. They got tired of getting hit by those guys. They got tired of getting leaned on by those guys. And they just got tired out. And the yeah. Flyers should realize at this point that because they are lacking that little bit of size, you have to have a Gosta Spear out there to skate around some of these guys or you can't compete. I get that they want to keep defense first, but you can't keep – the problem with this team right now, and this is not Ron Hextall's fault because he's rebuilding. He just yeah. can't tell his fan base he's rebuilding because people want to make the playoffs, and I get it. So, yeah. But the point is we know that he is rebuilding. And right. while he's doing this, they're going to be a little lacking in talent, and the problem is when they go for the defensive look – they train their offense. Yeah, their defense. They cannot pull it off. They don't. They don't have. They do not have a team. When they won their ten games in a row, remember they were there were lots of goals being scored by both yes. them and the other team. Um, they are an offensive team the way they're constituted right now. Yes. Um, they are a team that they are a running gun team that needs to outscore you. Yes. And when they when they don't play that way, you're absolutely right. I mean, there is Giroux and Voracek might as well be scratched right now. They are absolutely completely insignificant. They have made no. They've made no in the last three or four games. Nothing has come out of either either player. And the fact is that these are two guys, and this has been Giroux before. 
I've always I've equated Giroux to a wide receiver who needs a good quarterback to get him the get him the ball, right? He is Giroux is a but when Giroux has Giroux or Voracek have to carry the puck two hundred feet to create plays, they're not going to do it. I mean, yeah, and, and that way, was, would look look the horrible Voracek's game, right? Because word I mean is the is the opposite of Hackstall's game because he doesn't let you carry the puck over two lines. So if you don't have a transitional defense, you have nothing. And they have if they don't if they don't when when Delzato is hurt. And Gossip Spears out of the lineup, you are relying on straight and McDonald to do this, right? Here's one thing I noticed. I noticed it first in, in the in the game against the Kings, and then I noticed it last night against the Kings, three on three, Brandon Manning was out there. That's where you're killing yourself that you don't have okay. Shane Gossip Spear. And right. last night on that power play that they got late in the game, Brandon Manning was out there instead of a Shane Goss. That's where that, that kills them. Yeah, and, and I know they love Manning because he's got he's fiery and he's I got like him, but you can't have him be a replacement for the guy. Yeah, right. He, yeah, right. He's a he's a really good five six defenseman. Yes, you know, he'll be that. But he's not going. He's not a one two. And the what you're doing to Goss's here right now by telling him that he's got to be defense more, defense first, defense first, is going to completely mess him up when he comes back in the in the in the lineup. Look, we all agree his defense did need to get better. Yeah, but I wouldn't have scratched him this long to make it happen. No, because what this is doing is this is this is shooting his confidence to hell, right? And this is a very confident player, you know, yeah. just a few yeah, months. I, I don't think it's shooting his confidence to hell. I think it's like you said. I think it's pissing him off. And the thing is, well, but that, that when, when you're young, that that plays into both, right? I mean, they well, play when, when when you when you have a player who is a plus plus offensive player like Gostaspear is, and I may I've made comparisons to him to to like Mike Green in the past. Mike Green in his prime. I know they're different type of players, but. That is like, you know, he's never going to be a plus defender. He can be average. He can be competent. And I think that may be what Haxtell is looking for. If he's making too many, you know, bad decisions, giving up the puck at the blue line, things of that nature, he has to learn that lesson. And maybe, you know, this is just sort of like teaching him, okay, you're going to do it the way I want you to do it or you're not going to play. But eventually this team needs him to be that plus-plus offensive player. Otherwise things are going to fall apart there. Or they think they don't need him and they, that they think the players that are coming are going to be able to do what he does. I mean, they love Provorov, they love Sanheim, they love Moran, they love these guys. I mean, not Moran as much as – well, If you're going to put me in a position, Travis Sanheim can do everything Shane Gossespierre does, right. and he's bigger and he's stronger. And he's better. That is a fact. All right, so – and I, I had to go back to rewrest because I want to talk to you about this because you were the guy – and you were the guy who was never as high on Gossespierre as a lot of other people were. You know? Sure, but I like him. You like him and you, you admitted he had a hell of a year, but – yeah. At the same time, you always said there are huge problems with his game, and I remember what I remember. I've sat with you a couple times in the press box, and you pointed them out really aptly as the play is going on as to what they are. And you know, so what do you think is wrong with his game, and what do you think that this is the right way to go about it? Or no, I don't think this is the right way to go about it. I think, I think the biggest thing that's wrong with his game is it just didn't change at all from last year. Like I felt like when he came back to the team, he was no better than he was last year in his own zone. Now. I, I thought I would see a little bit of improvement. And then the rest of the league game planned against them. They didn't let him cross the blue line alone anymore. Right. They didn't let him have the puck alone anymore for an open shot as much as they have. So his points had dropped. So what I wanted to see out of him this year was just not being as casual with the puck, just be a little better puck security. It doesn't even have to be great defense. It's just a little better puck security when he's carrying it. I thought that I saw that as being a problem, and 
I think that's what the team sees as being a problem. That's, but again, they need his offense. They don't really have a choice. And at the end of the day, this is the wrong thing to do to him. I get that Andy McDonald has a couple of moments here and there where he can make a play, and he's had a pretty good year. Yeah, but he's he not a replacement for him. And last night he cost them the game, to be honest. Yes. He takes a four-minute power play that at the yeah. point which the Flyers were totally dominating this, the Blues. The Blues got on track, and that was all she wrote, you know. And that was – yeah. and McDonald has – he had a better game last night at times, but he also makes mistakes. He is what he is as well, and – that's fine, you know. I think that he could end up in Vegas, you know, for all we know. But he, he's. But if you're, yeah. But if you're going to make me pit, if 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 Travis Sanheim, if, if the team says he's ready now, he could play the Shane Gostaspear role better because he's bigger. That's and that's not a shot at Gostaspear. It's yeah. a it's a testament to Sanheim getting better and stronger and plays a little bit of better better defense. He does, but at this point in time, the Flyers still need Shane Gostaspear. Yep. It's a very, very similar story to what happened. Uh, I mean, not the offensive part of it, but the defensive part of it. What happened in Brooklyn last night? Yeah, let me finish one thought before we go to that one. I'm going to jump right to that one because um, there is a rumor that surrounds this now, and, and this is the first okay. Gossis Vieira possibly available rumor, which is something that I didn't want to have to report around here. And I'm still, still chasing this down, but um, the rumor was Gossis Vieira for Ben Bishop and Tyler Johnson. And that's that's what was told to me this morning. Now I don't know, you know. Now remember, Tyler Johnson is a player that they are going to have a hard time signing in Tampa. Right. They have they basically have to choose one guy they're not going to sign. You know, pretty much at least one, if not two. Right. They really are, Mike, in a bad spot in Tampa. Well, I mean, the thing is, and when Kevin said this in previous instances, and so have you, they may be able to solve their problem by trading Philpola. Because Philpola, I believe, has right. one year left in his contract. Yeah. And, you know, if they want to keep Johnson, they can probably make – Make you know, find some way to, to do that, but it's not just him. It's him. It's Palat and it's Drouin that they have. Well, the the other thing I would think that would have to happen to make that trade, where Mark Streit would probably have to go back to Tampa to balance it out financially, because there's no way the Flyers could handle it. Yeah, or, or and and or because he's an expiring contract anyhow. You could also send um, Neuberth, Neuberth, you know, or Mason, depending on who what they want to do with that. Okay. So yeah, there's ways of balancing it out, but the idea of them moving, just the concept of them moving Gossespierre, for example, Tyler Johnson, um, and a goalie. But they can sign Bishop in the offseason anyway, so the idea that really is not even a part of the deal so much. I mean, they could go out and offer him a contract and sign him. He's a UFA. But on the, on, on the part of the Flyers, do you really want your 1-2 to be two smallish centers in Giroux and Tyler Johnson? Tyler Johnson's had his durability problems, injury problems, because of his – A lot smaller than Giroux, too. Well, I'll tell you, here's the thing. All right, so I can answer that one. Maybe by next year, Couturier would be the number two, and, and maybe Johnson would be the three, and then you wouldn't really have that issue. <clears throat> I think that's the ideal situation for the Flyers. The, the other problem for the Flyers right now, which I do think precipitating a trade at some point would make sense, last night they didn't report whether it was an upper or lower body injury to Travis Konecny, but because I think it was both. He Somebody yeah. did report that he left the rink in a boot, but I also think his shoulder was bothering him too because it looked like that on the bench. And so if he's out for any length of time, that is really going to derail their hopes. It was bad because you don't often hear the immediate, we'll just tell you tomorrow. Yes. That, that, you know, when you get that, you get that, yes. you get that. Five like, minutes, five minutes, five minutes after he slams into the boards. Yeah, he right. will not, be right. it's not like is he coming back this game or not? We'll tell you what's going on tomorrow. Yeah. Um, right. 
and we haven't heard anything yet. But no. and again, this is just a really I'm not gonna throw this out there as a major rumor yet. I have to do more research on it. But it's just it's the first one that I heard involving Gossespierre. It's not impossible because if they feel like Sandheim's gonna be there next year, it's not impossible. And if Tyler, if you believe that Tyler Johnson is, you know, is what he is what he was a couple years ago, you know, he's, I don't think he's that, but I think he's still really good. And he does bring speed to you, and he does he bring. Does. The Flyers can use some speed. He brings you speed. He brings you more scoring. The Flyers do need scoring, but the issue is, you know, they're not going to get any scoring from anybody, no matter who they have, if they play this style right now. It's Correct. The only cool. players that seem to be able to score in this style are Wayne Simmons because dirty goals are dirty goals. Yeah. And and Giroux because he he's you know he gets points no matter what, but it mostly affects everybody else's game that I could see. Well, whenever a team, this is how you know when a team's doing this. When suddenly they're when when the people on the broadcast are talking about how great the fourth line's been, right? And I was just going to say, Belomar is like one of their right. best and players now. Not. Like these guys, like these are the guys. Suddenly, you know, when you start hearing that, that means that they are really That's in code for that. It is whenever whenever you start talking about the fact that they're relying on their fourth line, you know they're in trouble. Yes. Um, at, at this point in the season, in the playoffs, you need a fourth line to help you kick and stuff. But right now, you don't want your fourth line to be a major factor like this because they are really have. Now let's move to Toronto, who had who set a record last night um, in this yeah. history, which is kind of crazy of five of five rookies scoring in the same game, which is just yeah. astonishing. And then and I'm sitting there watching Mitch Marner, who now has more goals than Claude Giroux or Voracek. Um, they also they've also set they've also set a record for defensive ineptitude act because I mean let's focus on the positives first because no 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 no, no. let's fo let's focus no, on the main problem. Really, we said this team wasn't gonna be a playoff team, so yeah, let's just we're gonna be a playoff team. So let's let's talk about why they're not gonna be because their defense is terrible. Because you can't be all at once. I mean, they made they've decided to make their offense better and give them a couple years to find the defense that they need. That that's that's the plan. That has been the plan for a long time. They have. But, to, but give them credit because they have done the right things with their offense. I mean, their offense yeah. is insane. Yes. But, but, and then Babcock is Babcock is finally not 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 finally coming to the realization. But I think he's known this for a while. You need complete buy-in from everybody on the ice, not just the defense, because their defense is is below average. And now their best defenseman, Morgan Riley, is has come back early from a high ankle sprain, probably playing at about seventy-five percent. He was on the ice for three even strength goals yesterday. Played terribly. He got a couple assists. He can still you know set up plays. He's still good offensively, but mobility-wise, he's you know not as good as he was. And that's a guy who's lugging 20 to 25 minutes a night. And their bottom pairing is terrible. No. Uh, you know, so, I mean, right now, the, th the thing is, and Freddie Anderson, he was playing great in November and December, and now he's sort of back to that October okay, you know. Because of who's in front of him, it is. Right, exactly. And, and the thing is, he's, he's on schedule to play the most games he's ever played in his NHL career. He's on schedule to play about 65 games. And I think that's too much. Now, they may have rectified their backup situation with McElhaney. At least they're not, you know, Babcock's not afraid to go to him. But right. he looks at this team and he's like, they're playing basically in fifth gear all game. And in the third period when they need to shut it down and put it in first gear, they can't do it. They, 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 they can only operate at one speed. And last night, they were up 4-2. to two. Islanders come back tied 4-4. Four, four. Nylander puts them up 5-4 with less than five minutes left to go. And at a minute and a half left, the Islanders tie the game and then win it in overtime. They cannot play shutdown defensive hockey. And then when you can't down, play shutdown defensive hockey, especially in the second half of the year when you're, you need to play in tight games, 
they're trying to play an, a wide-open offensive game. It just will not work. But there were positives. Like X said, sure. if, five rookies right. scoring, if they were to play a shutdown defensive game, they would be where the Flyers are because they don't have the team to do it either. So the situation right. is that Babcock is at least allowing them to do what they can do best. Correct. Play that way. He's not going to let them do that forever, and eventually they're going to have to they're going to have to figure out a way to shut down things. But for now, why not give these young guys confidence and make them make them into scorers so, so that they become they become better? You know, they, they become better because they're more confident. And, and let's be real. I mean, we, most everybody should have realized Matthews would be a star, Marner would be a star. If you didn't realize that, you just weren't paying attention. I'm sorry. I know people were sort of like acting like Marner doing all this lately is a surprise. It's not a surprise. But Zach Hyman is a surprise. That is a really a, a guy who I've really noticed. Mike trumpeted him last year. I paid close attention, and really under Mike Babcock has become a much better player. That shorthanded goal was a thing of beauty, yeah. and and he has become a terrific player for them. Where really he could have been an afterthought for the Leafs, and no one would have said anything. And Connor and Connor Brown is another yeah. rookie, you know, who led the OHL in scoring, led the AHL in rookie scoring, is playing. Yeah. Very effective two-way hockey. Sashnikov on their fourth line has scored three goals in their last six games. I think he's capable of playing more than just a fourth line role. I mean, there are pieces there that, that that's not in dispute. And I, I mean, I fully admit that. And, it, and yeah. for Lee fans, it's exciting. The problem is, is that there are some people who are in denial that think this team is ready to make the playoffs right now. And I mean, uh, then maybe there will be benefits to them making the playoffs because they would learn what it takes to actually win. Because if they get in the first round against a Washington or a Pittsburgh, you know, they may win a game, but they'll get trounced by those teams the way they play defense. Yeah, so three more defensemen. And that's what everybody said about the Pittsburgh Penguins going into the playoffs. No, but this is yeah. different. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. I agree with you that Penguins. They lost, and they lost, when they had Crosby, they lost in the first round to Ottawa, and I think it was 07. Yeah, and then right. next year they made the Stanley Cup final. But the thing was, they had they added pieces. They added, I think they yeah. added Marion Hosa to 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 get them into the finals against the Red Wings. They did. So, and look, Anderson's not a Mark Andre Fleury either. He's not. Well, and, he's a and, good goaltender. Right, but that's. I mean, again, we don't even know if he's a great playoff goalie. We'll find that out. But the point is, until they get there, they need like three defensemen. Maybe they have one coming from the minors that could help them. I forget his name. Um, Andrew Nielsen. Yeah, Nielsen maybe could help them. After that, it's going to be trades or free agency where they're going to be suffering for a couple of years because as Jake Gardner gets a little older, even if they hold on to him, this is the hardest thing to do in the NHL right now is to get four good defensemen at one time on your team. And Lee fans don't want to hear this, but I have to forewarn them. All these rookies are playing phenomenal. Look what happened with Calgary. Calgary made the playoffs with, with guys like Goudreau and Monahan as rookies. And yeah. then the next year, in their sophomore year, they all, you know, they all they all took a little bit of a step back. Didn't a, not a major step back. Their goaltending failed them, and they finished, you know, at near the bottom of the league. There could be a step back for a year. Mm -hmm. And then a step forward. This is the thing, I and mean, this—that's up—that's up to Babcock and Lamorello to what they add. The difference is that Babcock is is their coach, and and Calgary that didn't have Mike Babcock. I mean, I mean, or, I mean, but but you know what? If you were to give me six of the best rookies, and you go look it up for the last five years, most of them dipped in their second year. Almost all of them. Yeah. No, you're right. It is, it, and it, it is the oldest thing. I mean, every scout will tell you, and I. You know that the the difference that separates an, a pro NHL player versus a non a non pro is is can you once the whole league figures out your weakness can you overcome that 
Right. And that's what we're seeing with Gus this year. That's what you're seeing with other players. You know, once they figure yeah. out the, they will figure out weakness. They're, they, they have really good scouts out there. They will definitely do. Yeah. So you have to sit there and, uh, and this is really good that someone put this on, on Reddit. I had to show you guys this. Um, Brett Burns is having this ridiculous season, right? I, and I mean, I didn't think the Norris is his to be, ha I mean, there's just no two ways about it. Right. So I think we'll still have a vote, but I get it. This, 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 this chart here that was put up um, compares all the NHL teams' total defensive goal scoring, and then Brett Burns is in red there. Mm -hmm. Just like if he just by himself. Like he just, he's better than half the teams in the league, entire defensive scoring, goal scoring abilities. Mm -hmm. Which is like the so you're talking six or seven defensemen there better than. I, I, I'm going to be interested to see what San Jose does because, you know, Burns' new contract kicks in. Next year, I believe they're going to probably re-sign Thornton. I'm not sure about Marlowe, but Vlasic, who's vastly underrated and a very good defenseman, is up after next next year. How are they going to afford to pay Vlasic what he probably is going to be looking for, which is probably six million dollars? This that's that's a guy. The only who, way that's going to happen is if Joe and Marlowe come in real cheap. Right. Yeah. Look at this. The Burns is equivalent to the Chicago Blackhawks defense. Okay, but here's the thing. All right. <laughs> He's I don't really do like one of the best players of all times on that defense. I get it. I, I, they're not all goal scorers though. Brett Burns is doing a great job of scoring goals. There's no question about it. It's not like even he's the best goal scoring defenseman we've seen in the last five years. He's having his moments right now. It's great. I still have a problem giving him the Norris because I still think it's an all around thing. I don't like to base it all on offense, yeah. and I prove. I, I proved last year that Eric Carlson wasn't all about offense. There were other things in the game. Burns has other things in his game, too. Don't get me wrong. And he definitely has improved. And he definitely showed it in the playoffs and the cup and everything else. I still don't think he's a slam dunk. I don't care if he gets 30 goals. I don't think that's the, the end all. He's the He's the best rover in the league. Yes. But that the Norris Trophy is not for the best rover. It's for the best defenseman. Now, he's improved defensively where I don't think he's a liability in the, uh, behind his own blue line anymore. But he has to continue that. And, he, you know, it, it's just not just an offensive award. Otherwise, Mike Green right. would have won it. Right. Yeah, that's true. I'll give you that. This is a really cool moment from last night's Flyers game, too. And I know you like this, Russ. The Agostino goal. Yes. Uh, I, now, did, I, I did talk about it. He grew up in South Jersey. Um, you know, um, and uh, really close to where I grew up, actually. Great player for Yale. Yep. And then he goes on. You know, it, it, I was obviously a Flyers fan growing up. And then he's in. He's in. He's in there. He finds himself on a breakaway in Philadelphia. You know, and scores his goal. Yep. You know, throws himself into the crowd like this. Yep. Is, you know, and of course it's you know a silent crowd, but it's pretty. You know, in his head, this has got to be. I mean, I just can't imagine. Like this is what as a, you know, as a as, as we all dreamed of being. You know, athletes. This has got to be one of the coolest things. It is, and I'll tell you, this is a big, strong kid who could skate. I, I, I'm, I always thought he had NHL ability, and I'm really surprised that he's moved around this much. But maybe this is the perfect situation for him because St. Louis was desperate to try somebody, and he might just click because he's a pretty smart kid too. It's, it's really great. I'm happy for him. And a scout did tell me about three years ago with one of his former teams – that they felt like he was an NHLer too. So I think I think they did the right thing here. I think they um, they got somebody. And I saw they played Barbashev. I don't think they're playing Barbashev enough to 
to really get the benefits of him and playing him with Ryan Reeves. I don't think you want to play Ivan Barbashev with Ryan Reeves. I mean, I'm just saying that's that doesn't seem like the ideal situation. They, they may move him up in the lineup now that Fabry's out for the year. Yeah. I would think you'd have to. Yeah. Plus, yeah. plus I think, I, I you know, if they're trading Shattenkirk, then other players on that team, if they're in sell mode. They're not trading play. Shattenkirk unless they're out of the playoffs the, the day of the trading deadline. They can't. I mean, he, he's their best player. It's not even close now. It's not even – you want to say Tarasenko is their best player? That's fine. He may have the most points. But really, Shattenkirk is their best player because without him, they have no chance of making the playoffs. With Tarasenko, they'll, you know, he can't affect that much of the game as actually Shattenkirk can. And if a, if a first if a first round playoff gate means that much to them, then you're then you're right. The problem is is that they risk losing Shattenkirk for absolutely nothing, or maybe a com- compensatory draft pick. Well, let's they- be real. It apparently does because. Yeah. Years ago at the Carolina draft, whatever year that was, I sat next to a St. Louis reporter and I was like, boy, that was really ugly the way the Blues made the playoffs limping in. They should have just missed the playoffs. It would have been better for them. They'd have had a much better pick in this draft. And he goes, what do you mean? It's like 30 years in a row. It was, And I was just like, if that's the mentality, clearly that must be the mentality from ownership. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I – I agree. We'll see. We'll see where where they are. I mean, I think it's I. I they have a pretty good team still. I mean, no, they really do. And the and the, the issue. And Carter Hutton's undefeated against the Flyers. <laughs> of course he is. No, he's a great goalie. Um, I'm not questioning that. Never has been. I've never questioned that. No, never. No, I've never questioned his ability to be a great goalie. You've never pointed a Nerf gun at, at Carter Hutton. Swear on the. <laughs> Is he a Trump supporter? I would not. If he, if he isn't, then I would not point a Nerf gun at him. We're not allowed to point Nerf guns at non-Trump supporters. Anyway, um, uh, there are no rumors yet today. Um, I'm digging deep still, looking for others, looking for more. We we spent the most of the day, obviously, digging into Boston and seeing if that's going to affect anything. If any team's going to jump on this before the rest of the season, I I don't think so at this point. But it's hard. To, it's it's hard to say. I mean, if if you're a team that feels like you're better than you are right now and that you, that you should be further along like a team like Boston, for example, you should jump all over Claude Julian. Um, but <laughs> no, but I think that, you know, whether it, we'll have to see if anybody actually, you know, that's something we've been looking into a little bit today as well, but we'll, and we'll have some rumors for you this afternoon. I'll have a, a, uh, a rumor chart update and all that stuff. So, and we'll talk more rumors tomorrow for sure. Well, hold so, on, hold on one sec. You know, the, I'm looking at the, cause everybody was, saying, like, hey, Bruce Cassidy's great with young players. I'm pretty sure in 2003 – yeah, 2003 was a pretty good roster for, for Bruce Cassidy. He had um, Yarmir Yager, uh, Anson Carter. He had Steve Eminger, who at the time was not yet going to be a flyer and and, right. and and get them and net them John Carlson. They had Zubris. They had Halpern. They had Gonchar. Um, Wilsey – I don't think Wilsey was too old then. Josh Green. So – they didn't have a ton of young players. And so, like, I don't know if he's really this young player whisperer that, you know, the, that the fan base hopes he is. Yeah, they're just looking at Claude Julian as not being, you know, and that's the whole thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's got to be more than Claude Julian was. I mean, that's, that's I think, everybody's attitude. Um, yeah. And that might be true. You know, Julian definitely did favor. But, you know, but give but remember, I mean, Julian played Pasternak. And he was pretty young. He had no problem playing him. I mean, if you have a good right. – there was no real issue playing a really good player – it was, it was that young, you know, so. And, and I have one more thing to add about the Coyotes. I know you guys mentioned it briefly yesterday. 
it, it seems to me like the Arizona State University announcement blindsided the, the owners of the Coyotes and the NHL. There doesn't seem to be a backup plan. This is definitely worrisome because now everybody thought we were done dealing with Glendale and the Glendale politics. We may be watching the news feed again of the Glendale court, oh, God. which is some of the worst things I've ever watched in my life. Of all the things I've ever had to watch for my job, that watching guy, people come up and say, you know, I was out there, you know, yelling at a roadrunner. And I yeah. think that, and then they would be like, go Coyotes, when they'd walk away from the mic. You know, like, you know, I've been a hockey fan for the last 16 months, and I really believe <laughs> It was just a completely. I mean, it was just. Oh my gosh! And nothing against you there. I mean, it was. It was passionate, but it was. It was just. It was fascinating. I think more than the more than the inner workings of the NHL, the inner workings of a small town in the Southwest. Um, just to see how that worked, because, and Glendale, you know, was asked being asked to put millions. These taxpayers be putting millions of money, millions of dollars up to save a team that most of them didn't understand. And now we're going to be dealing with them again. Check check the comments sec. I see that. Yep. Um, ties available. Okay. All right, get them on. We might as well go over time. Go ahead. All right, let's let's uh, let's um, okay. Do that for a second. He has a Tom Brady jersey on. We're we're getting them off. Let me call him and see if I can get him there. Uh, we don't. I only got like five minutes here because I gotta go pick up my. That's fine. Five minutes of tie is worth it on a day like this. Yeah. <sighs> we're going to the time. The Coyote situation, Mike. Now. Hey, Ty, how you doing? Um, we're on. That. With and the Hurricanes and the Islanders, there's an issue. So we'll see how these things transpire. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me put tie on um, tie on speakers. And, of course, the only, time, the only reason you would go to whatever time is if you have a tie. Ha, ha, ha. Um, right. <laughs> it's pretty good. Wow. Give me some credit on that one. So, Ty, you're leaving the – you're leaving the scene of the crime now, working your way through a happy crowd. Go, Patriots. Um, what's going on? Uh, pretty emotional locker room uh, today. A lot of these guys, this is the only coach they'd ever known uh, at the NHL level. Brad Marchand especially. I mean, this, he was really, you could tell that he was very taken aback by this. He was very upset. Um, really wasn't in the mood for listening to the idea of this making the team better. Uh, he asked him, he said, okay, how are you better now? And he says, we're not. He says, we're not better. We, if this is a, a sign that we need to wake up. Uh He's one of the one players that really went on and talked about what an amazing coach uh, this team really did have and how they were lucky to have him for as long as they did. And, uh, one of the things I found most telling is that he mentioned, uh, he said that these rumors were a distraction. He said they were an absolute distraction for the team. Um, and I think you could tell. When you watch the Bruins play, they looked distracted. They looked stressed. They looked yeah. like a team that was really feeling the heat from every angle. And I think, you know, those, those quotes, that, that, they back up that theory. It's interesting. because they... But I think the heat's on more now, Ty. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And, and I mean, look at, you know, Butch Cassidy, he's in a terrible spot here now. <laughs> uh, not only is he coaching to prove he can still coach at the NHL level, he's already that he can for the, in, the, in the first place. Right. He is now coaching with the idea of developing and also winning, which is right. really hard to do, and it's what it's what this team has tried to do now for two years, and it doesn't work out like that. You got to pick one path or the other. It's very difficult to do both, and it seems like this is another situation where you're changing the name and nothing else, and that's not going to work for this team. 
we talked about that earlier, Ty, in the in this whole concept of the plan, you know, like, and we, and I've never been able to understand what that is. I, mean, I, I looked it up today, trying to find out what the Sweeney Cam Neely plan actually is. You know, do you know what it actually is? I mean, they're, they love the players they've drafted. They're obsessed with them. They won't move them. They won't trade any of them. Right. Uh, they understand that in a, in a hard cap world, you need guys like that to contribute to step in right away. Right. Um, so they're hoping, they're hoping for that to be the case. But I, I think it's, it's interesting because I don't think you do that. I don't think you sign David Backus to five years, $30 million if you're committed to the future. That says you're committed to now. Right. And what I find scary about the team now is that Sweeney, you know, he, he talks today for 26 minutes and you have no idea what the hell he's talking about for 26 minutes. He's kind of going in circles here. And he talks about how he's not deviating from the plan. Right. The plan is still to win now. Right. <laughs> No, if your if your plan is to win now, you keep the coach. You don't right. you don't fire one of the best coaches in hockey if you don't want to win now. Right. And, and I just if you, if you want to win now, rather. So right. What they say, what they do, it, it it's so counterintuitive. It's always been that way under this regime for whatever reason. They say one thing, they do another, and they've they've always been like that. I can't see that changing overnight, and I can't see change with a new coach who adheres to Sweeney's philosophies more than Julian would. And that was a big thing, by the way, that, that they had major philosophical differences here in how the team should be run and the amount of talent that was on the team. Um, from the sound of it and everything I've gathered, it really seemed like Julianne was saying to Sweeney, hey, you need to get me more talent for the team. This team's not good enough. And that was met with, well, you're not doing a good enough job. Um, right. So it, it, it's going to get messy. It's going to get really messy before it gets really, you know, any, any better for the team, I think. Well, Ty, don't, don't, don't you think they're ad adopting that dual philosophy because all the core players, Bergeron, Marchand, uh, Rask, they're all locked up on long-term deals and they have to, you know, adopt that philosophy? Yeah, exactly. I mean, unless you plan on moving, you know, what, $35 million of combined salary, you are sort of stuck in that realm there where, you know, you have to win with these guys. Krejci, the trade value is low. Uh, Chara's going to be 40 in a month. Uh, these guys, if, if they're going to sell off pieces, sell off parts, they should have done it three years ago, two years ago. Now you're not going to get great returns, and you're kind of stuck in the middle. I mean, you are very close, I think, if you're the Bruins. You're very close to becoming the Calgary Flames of the, of the Eastern Conference, where you want to compete, but at what cost? You know, you're kind of just stuck in neutral for a very long time, it feels. Yeah, Ty, Ty, there was one thing that I noticed that I talked about before you come on, is that... Sweeney said, hey, you know, we're going to – I'm going to rotate around players. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And so it's clear that even though he doesn't want to coach that – because he said that, that he has a lot more control over Cassidy than he did over Julian. And so now that's going to – there's going to be more interference that way too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things – like this team wants to figure out if Ryan Spooner is a center or a winger. They want to figure that out. I mean, I would tell you he's a center. Right. He's been his most productive at center. He's not big enough to consistently win battles along the wall that on the wing. Uh, you know, they, they want to figure out what they have with a lot of these guys. And you're able to do that more with Cassidy because Cassidy is he's going to be the yes man. I mean, at the end right. of the day, he's going to be the yes man. He's going to make the decision. But he is going to build the team how Sweeney wants him to build the team. And, and I think that's a big thing. But one of the things that I talked to a few players about is that they said the system in Providence, when Cassidy was the coach, all these years before this season, 
the, the system is the same as Boston because Boston wanted you to be able to go down to Providence right. and play the style that you'd be playing in the NHL if you were getting called up. They didn't want two different styles. Right. So he's the new boss, same as the old boss kind of thing. I, I don't I don't see everything changing overnight, and the roster is still what it is. Um, Cassidy said he'd use David Backus as a, as a winger, not a center. Um, so that's not going to change. Uh, he, so they spent all this money on David Backus use him as a winger. That's crazy, Ty. It's really crazy. You know that money on Backus and use him as a winger? That is pretty nuts. I mean, I, at the same time, okay, I, I, get it, I get it to a degree, but it really feels as if they're – I mean, they really put the pressure on themselves now more than, and more than ever. And then, of course, the other thing you have to talk about today is the fact that this happens during the Patriots parade, right? So – and the, I listened to the press yeah, conference, and there was really completely inexcusable. Yeah, it felt like the media was really pissed off about that at the press conference. I mean, that it was rare to hear hear a press conference start the way that one did. Yeah, because I, I just think it's it, you're doing you're doing the coach dirty. You know what I mean? Like he deserves better than this. Doesn't deserve to be the footnote of a of a day of celebration where you're trying to slide it under the media cycle. You're trying to hide it the from the coverage because you know everyone in town is at the parade. I guess that's garbage. That's yeah. That's like old Bruin stuff. That's not what this new team, this new ownership, I'm not ownership, this new front office is about. I think that was that was a throwback to the Harry Simpson days, where <laughs> you know they would got, they would throw a guy out like that. And I think that's garbage. I, I I mean this is no matter what happens this season, this coach is still the franchise's all time winningest coach. He brought you a Stanley Cup. He has always left you in a competitive state. You've never truly bottomed out under the, under his tutelage. Yeah. You, the worst seasons you've had, you finish in ninth place each time. I right. mean, he doesn't deserve that. He deserves way better than what than how they're showing him the door. And I think that's that's what a lot of people are really pissed off about right now because I, I just think this comes across as gutless, you know? Yeah. Sweeney doesn't want to talk to the media. Neil doesn't Neil doesn't want to talk to the media. They think they don't have to. They think they're above it. And yeah. And you know what's funny? It's, it's, and now this is another example of, of sort of the cowardly, underhanded behavior that they do. It's, well, we, you know, yeah, we're going to fire the coach, but uh, it's going to happen when, you know, you're all at a parade. You're not going <laughs> to notice that you're going to have so much fun at the parade. You're not going to notice what's happening to your favorite hockey team. And I just think that's, that's cowardly. It's gutless. It's, and he doesn't deserve that. This no. is not a coach that you've had for two years. This is a coach you've had for almost 11 years now. I, he deserves better. The fans deserve better. I mean, this is just more more pieces of the blame pie that the Sweeney and Neely regime don't want to eat. Yeah, yeah, that's really well put. I mean, I, I this whole concept of thinking that you can hide it anyway in a parade is ridiculous. I mean, and we're in a twenty four hour news cycle world now. We don't it doesn't it, it just this is going to be a problem. Your people are going to complain about it just as much as they ever have. And you might as well have, you know, have a regular press conference. So, you know, wait till even tonight, you know, like even they could have waited till tonight to, to fix this. Exactly. You know, and he was pressed on that. They said, why, why, didn't, why wouldn't you wait till tonight? He said, well, the PR team says I have to do it. That was lame, too. Now you're throwing the PR team under the bus. Yeah, that, I, that you I, don't have to do it. Yeah, that I thought was lame, too, because the PR team will do it whenever you tell them you want to do it. That's like, you don't sit there and the PR team's not saying we got to do it now. It's not like we got the room, you know. It's not like we paid for the room, you know. We got the apartments that has to happen right now. That's not what's going on here. This is like, they have, <laughs> this, is the, this is the press conference that they can hold whenever they want to hold it. You know? All right, but here's what I want to ask, Ty, because this is what fans are asking me. One of the things, Sorry, sorry Europe. One of the things that really uh, has left a lot of fans pissed off today, and rightfully so, they did this too late. If you're going to do this, just do this 
journeys when your team was losing five games in a row. Yeah. When you were when you look at your bottom out, you know, look what the Islanders did with Capuano, right? right? It was it was the perfect time because they weren't out of it completely. I just think the Bruins. I mean, this uphill climb is so much steeper than it was two weeks ago. Well, Ty, to think that now you're saying to to Cassidy, hey. Sorry, but now is your time. Not two weeks ago when we were still in a somewhat comfortable spot. Right. Now you have to go 16, 6, and 2 or whatever to finish the <laughs> right, year right, right. and to make the playoffs. It's ridiculous. Right. You didn't stand by when you had the chance, and now you're fired when it's too late. It's, it's pathetic. Oh, man. Well, Ty, thanks so much for jumping on. and appreciate thanks, it. We'll have to get you on again this week and talk about this more. Um, but thanks so Absolutely. much. Absolutely, I'm around tomorrow, and uh, I should be around tomorrow on Thursday. So fantastic. You know, we're you're on, Friday, baby. I know you're you on will. both. You're on both days. Be prepared. Perfectly, perfectly done. Thank you very much, Ty. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lots more to talk about. There's going to be lots, and it's interesting to hear Marshawn's comments. That's really great. Uh, so last thank you for now, guys. Remember that the buzz it is just hockey. Uh, just last thing, uh, Travis Konechny out four to six weeks with a lower body injury. Okay, well, that's good. They did they scratch him a couple games before that. Um, remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.